this idea of trying to plan for the future or this idea of me doing what I truly desire being a risk continued to make less and less sense simply for the fact that if I was to look back at my life and try to connect every single dot that got me to where I am today, it's impossible for me to plan that. It's impossible for me to try and organize that and put that into a plan to say, this is what's going to happen in my life. And so it was more about embracing the fact that the future is always unknown and it will always be unknown. So that was Ben and Kat and... Uh, talking with them and spending time with them was a really, really inspiring and unique experience. They were just this really beautiful reminder of how important it is to surround yourself with amazing people. And I loved every moment that I got to spend with them. And I loved this conversation. So I am beyond excited to share this with you. Without further ado, let's get to becoming legendary with Ben and Kat. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Ha, <sighs> Ben and Kat, welcome to becoming legendary. How the heck are you guys? Fantastic. Very good, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm so excited for this. So Ben and Kat have been staying with Darby and I uh, at Secret Hollow, and they've been here for the last four-ish days, five-ish days, mm-hmm. some amount of time. Um, and we've had such fun conversations that I, I begged them to uh, do a podcast, and they luckily enough for me agreed. So I'm super excited. Uh, podcast starts the same way for every single person. Um, I ask what a typical day in your life looks like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can go first, darling. Oh, gosh. Okay, so since April of 2019, every single day has been different. Yeah, so we quit our jobs, started traveling at that time, and now it's coffee. <laughs> and then what do you feel like doing today? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, the consistency would be um, coffee in the morning, <laughs> yeah. epic meals, and then just fulfilling momentary desires as they come up. Mm. Um, and those momentary desires change every day. Um, but we look to climb as much as we can, hike as much as we can, um, and enjoy nature as much as we can. Yeah, we get on the bike. Yeah. Um, we do fast every day, so that's a consistent thing. hmm we started that about, what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to come back to, I, I'm going to come back to a lot of those things. <laughs> okay. um, but I want to give a little background on what you guys are doing. So in your current phase of life, uh, and you can correct me when I'm wrong, please do. Um, but you're traveling, you're traveling around out of your van. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of exploring how, how vast is the exploration? So, uh, 
first began this phase, we spent uh, six months in Europe, um, and then we spent five months in Australia, and then we came back to America, and we've been traveling in the van in America for the past... Since May? Yeah, since May, so a couple of months. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you guys were conceptualizing this idea, conceptualizing this, this adventure, you had to have a, a set of, of, of thoughts, right? Of, of expectations. What has been something that has totally surprised you about living out of your van? Hmm. I enjoy that question. <laughs> so what at first surprised me but now has definitely become something that I continue to welcome as a natural thing is obviously our idea was just as simple as we're going to travel in the van um, but what continues to happen that I enjoy so much is we continue to attract people um and we continue to attract spaces like with you guys um and these are things that could never be planned and um things that for me are most enjoyable and used to be kind of surprising at the situations we would find ourselves in and the people we would find ourselves with but now it's it's just the way it is mm. and it's really enjoyable yeah, so I don't think we realized how lonely, like, just traveling around in a van could be. Like, at first when we were in Europe, it was like, I don't know, we were we were seeing people initially, you know, that we knew, meeting up with people in different places, and then that stopped for a while because we didn't have, we didn't know anyone. Yeah. We were in Italy, we were in France, and we were just kind of on our own, and we just missed it so much. We were like, we got to find a way to connect with people. And that really changed the way we were traveling, Um and so we, you know, kind of really enjoy that connection with people. That surprised me. The other thing that really surprised me was how difficult it was at first to identify what you want to do every day. Like, what is your desire? Like, when you have all the time in the world, as compared to, you know, when you're working nine to five, it's like you just have weekends. So you're kind of like planning. and You're like, oh, I know what I want to do on Saturday. It's like you wake up and the whole day is your oyster. So it's kind of like, what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. And sometimes doing nothing is really nice. So, yeah. Have you found, have you found that to be a challenge, a problem, or is it just overabundance of options? Well, I guess that's a problem as well. <laughs> I don't find anything really a problem at all. Um, and I think challenges are, are really good for us. We, we really enjoy them and learn a lot from them. So I would say, yeah, I, I appreciate like that challenge every day, I guess. I, uh, it was interesting. Um, I'd always heard from people, uh, when talking about, you know, the way we were choosing to live. And obviously when you're talking to people about, not working anymore, you know, the, the standard comment is, oh, but like you're going to get bored, like you're going to want to do something and so on and so forth. But for me, it really hasn't been challenging um, to fulfill my desires every day because that's kind of the reason that I wanted to take this step and live the way I'm living is because 
uh, I truly desire to live in the moment and um, this lifestyle has kind of allowed me to do that and so uh, over the last few years as well I've gotten very accustomed to spending time with myself as well and so when there is no desire to fulfill I'm very happy just to kind of spend my time in silence by myself or uh, with Kat. Yeah. <laughs> the concept of boredom, I think, is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so for, for me, I, like, I can't, I do not remember a time where I was bored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at, but when I talk to people about that, they, they, they find it absolutely insane. Um, is boredom a thing that you guys experience? Not anymore. No. <laughs> Not anymore. So. It was definitely something uh, in the past that uh, I experienced in life, but that hasn't been for a very long time. It's hard for me to connect back with that. Yeah. I can almost remember every single day for the past year and a half. <laughs> and that was like a really crazy realization once I like yeah. thought back on it. I'm like, I can... I can think about what we did and, and remember it all. And, and I used to go to work every day and I couldn't remember what I wore the day before. I think that's been that's every day is so different and yeah. like exciting. And yeah. That yeah. Boredom for me used to be like kind of doing things I didn't want to do. Uh, and I think it also used to be encouraged okay. by the fact that I used to feel that I had limited time to do the things I truly wanted to do. I loved my job, but I didn't want to do it nine to five every day. And so in the time that I did have free, um, I felt like I had to make it count. And at times, um, it was kind of overwhelming for me to try and figure out what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and so sometimes I would feel kind of like bored and yeah, it was interesting. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so just just circling back to this to to your initial thoughts and then kind of where you are. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you really prepped for? Is there anything that you really expected to happen that didn't happen? So um, expectation has been something that I've consciously tried to uh, put to the side for a while now. Um, and so when it came to making the decision to live this way. Uh, the amount of planning that went into it was as minimal as it could be. Yeah. Um, obviously, visas and all that type of stuff is what it is. But um, in regards to actual planning day-to-day -day operations, uh, after two weeks on the road, we abandoned all plans mm. um, because we realized that expectation was just something that was just bringing challenges into our daily life. Yeah. Um, and so we threw that to the side and since then it's, it's just been pretty much moment to moment and, and day to day. And yeah. so planning is at a minimal and expectations are pretty much non-existent at this point. And we really enjoy it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice not having attachment to an idea of what you wanted or what you thought was going to be the adventure. It gives you a lot of freedom. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so that word challenge. Like when you hear the word challenge, what does it what does it make you think of? Learning. It makes me I get excited. Uh, yeah. I get really excited when something challenges me. And normally when something challenges me it 
it brings up a feeling of fear. And normally when I have that feeling, I've identified that as something I want to walk towards, run towards, uh, because every time I do, when I get through it, there's just pure awareness and new experience. And I've experienced that enough now to know that that's what challenge is. And so uh, I look at challenges. It's a very welcome thing in my life. Yeah. I think that there's something really powerful about the willingness to move towards challenge, right? Because we mm-hmm. live in a, in a life, we live in a society where it's really remarkably easy to um, prevent your own expansion, right? Mm-hmm. To stay within the confines of safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that kind of leads to something that, you know, there's, there's something about people who take risks. And I think the thing that you guys have done uh, more than anything else, if we could like, encapsulate it in an idea, it's taking a risk, right? It's living a different path than what people choose as the traditional path. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's an inherent risk quality to that. There's something about people who are willing to take risks, who um, they're willing to bet on themselves, right? And you have to be willing to bet on yourselves, be trusting enough to, to take a risk. Do you know, like, what was the what was the archetype, the framework, uh, or the moment where you really found that that ability to bet on yourselves? I guess. Can you explain how did you come up with the idea? Because it was your idea. So, I pretty much experienced many things that got me to a point of understanding that I was worthy and enough in all moments Mm -hmm. and that this idea of trying to plan for the future or this idea of me doing what I truly desire being a risk continued to make less and less sense simply for the fact that if I was to And this is what I was thinking about. If I was to look back at my life and try to connect every single dot that got me to where I am today, it's impossible for me to plan that. It's impossible for me to try and organize that and put that into a plan to say, this is what's going to happen in my life. And so it was more about embracing the fact that the future is always unknown and it will always be unknown. And so to view that as a risk no longer made sense. What made sense was if I continue to fulfill my desire now, what will manifest will continue to be something very, very beautiful. Um, and because I'm living that way, there is no fear in it, like we spoke about before, and everything continues to flow really nicely. Um, yeah, that's what comes through for me. Yeah, and I think he realized, because he asked me like three months before our wedding, we were driving home from work because we worked at the same institution and we shared a car, Hmm. (laughs) we drove to and from work together, and he was like, I could tell he felt like he needed to get something off his chest, and he was like, look, I don't want to do this like two weeks a year traveling thing, like I want to see the world. Like, let's just, like, how do you feel about quitting our jobs and traveling for a couple years? 
and how did you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, I had like progressed really far in my work, and I was really into my work, but I also had kind of like realized that I was a little bit too attached mm-hmm. to it. Um, and so when he asked me, I thought in my head for five minutes, I was trying to think of any reason I could think of why I would say no. And just nothing came up. Like I could not think of a reason. And normally I think I would, my ego would come out and say like, oh, I can't do it for this reason. And Mm. I'd be a little bit scared and come up with some nonsense to say no. But I said, yes, I I can't even believe it. Like, our first night in Iceland, sleeping in the car, and we were, like, in a parking lot in a hotel or parking lot or something, and I was like, what What did I get into? Like, we're sleeping in a car in Iceland. Like, I, I felt a little bit of fear, and I was like, I can't believe I said yes to this. But then, I mean, I felt really grateful for the fact that, like, my intuition, like, my, my like, higher self, like, definitely was like, okay, you got to do this. It's yeah. the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, I said yes. And I mean, I, I was the best thing I think I've, I've done. It was easier than saying yes to getting married. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I really just like, I really appreciate the, um, the step that you guys have taken. I think that it's a, it's really, it's really, really fun. Um, and I'm like really excited to see how how things progress in your world. So I'm I'm really fascinated to watch uh, how you guys progress through this through this unique experience because I think it I think you really are approaching it in a unique way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. And I think that's that's really fun. So, and and one of the things that uh, I've observed over the last few days is um, both of you guys have really like beautiful and deep life practices which is just like you know everybody's like oh, i practice this i practice meditation i practice yoga whatever like it's it's all about life right and i mm-hmm. think that there's um uh, a fullness in the way that you guys practice life that i think is really fun mm-hmm. what are the um what are the lifestyle choices or the things that the things that are really impactful for you that help bring joy into your experience, into your life? So, for me, it's continued to simplify uh, over time. Uh, At first, it felt like there were a lot of things that I needed to try and focus on in order to produce the desired result of a joyful moment, which obviously extends into a joyful day, joyful life. But now it's simplified to the point where I every morning look to be able to bring some awareness into the things that I know to be true for myself, not for everyone, just for myself, which is that I'm a piece of life and I am enough and life is enough. And when I feel into that, it really sets my day up to allow me to bring my awareness into many more moments than I used to. used to be very uh, subconscious and reactive in many moments. Um, And so giving myself the space to uh, remind myself of my truth that I know to be true, 
really allows me to create a space for myself to feel joyful. And then when I'm joyful, creating a space for others is just a byproduct. It's so easy. It's, it's not even something I have to think about. And so for me, it's just the simplicity of uh, knowing my truth and bringing that to my, to my awareness and to the present moment as much as I can. Um, yeah. Yeah, we definitely make nutrition and health a priority and working out every day or doing yoga, something active. And I've noticed, I mean, we both know, like, if we don't do that consecutively day after day, then we start to feel it. We're like, oh. Yeah. Like, we desire that. Taking care of. Goodness. Yeah, taking care of the mind, taking care of the body. And I think really important as well. Um, for both of us is uh, looking to not judge ourselves for not doing certain things. And so if we know that we really enjoy meditation or we know that we really enjoy working out, sometimes we get caught up in the present moment and do other things. And that day we end up not doing that thing. And so just accepting that moment and going with the flow and not judging what we have done or what we haven't done really allows for uh, that joy to continue. Okay, so uh, I really love that. This is this is uh, a personal question for me that comes up a lot on, on becoming legendary. So I'm I'm very very fascinated for you guys. So uh, two or three years ago, I found out that um, people have this like negative voice inside their head talking to them, and I was not born born with that voice. So it's been really fascinating for me to find out that that happened. I'm curious to know, um, one, do you have that voice? Because I think that's a valid question now. And two, um, has that voice shifted? Yes. (laughs) I actually discovered my voice on this trip, I feel like. Like as soon as we started traveling, I realized I had like, like I tell Ben, like, oh, I have a crazy thought. Like, and I share it with him because I just, I don't know what happened. I just, things started popping up in my head. Um, and it's kind of been interesting and, and we've learned a lot from it, but a lot of it, like an example would be, uh, we rock climb. And so, you know, we're climbing outside and, you know, Ben's usually leading and setting up our anchors and, making sure we're safe. And I get a lot of like negative thoughts and anxiety around that leading up to getting to the wall. Mm. And so one thing I've been practicing is like telling myself like what reality is. Mm. So here's what I know to be true. And I, and I trust the equipment and I, Ben knows what he's doing and there's no reason to have these negative thoughts, but it's been really interesting. Like, being acquainted with that part of my my mind. Mm. Has it shifted much for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I I am conscious of it now. Mm. So there's, you know, I just keep reminding myself that it's not reality, mm. you know, and that helps. Yeah, I don't feel it as much as I I used to. I uh, I grew up in a very loving household but uh, also grew up um, believing that my uh, my actions dictated my worth 
And so growing up, uh, I definitely had that voice. It was a very challenging voice to deal with. And growing up, I thought it was my voice. Mm. And as time went on, I started to realize that it wasn't my voice. I was able to start observing it. And once I realized I was observing it, I realized it wasn't me. I was the observer of the voice. (laughs) And as I started to become aware of that, it was much easier for me to not judge things I did or things I said or things I thought. And when I say I, I mean the voice. (laughs) Like because it was so interesting. Like I would say things or do things or feel things. And then either during or after, the real me would snap in and be like, wait a second, I didn't want to do, feel, or say that. That doesn't make sense to me. And so, um, similar to what I said before, being able to connect with my truth has really like diminished that voice. Um, at times uh, of subconsciousness, there's still challenge from my ego. Um, And that's pretty much what I have uh, defined that voice being, pretty much the character uh, and the ego that I've built over time based on things I'm attached to and so on and so forth. And so, um, yes, the voice was challenging and sometimes it still is, but because I know it's not me, it's so much easier to deal with and actually really love, uh, I really love my ego because it's a part of me and I built it and I'm able to reprogram it to feel and think the way I truly feel and think now. And so, yeah. Okay. So that there, there's a necessity for space, right? That observation, the ability to observe yourself uh, requires a significant amount of space. Is there, is there something, is there, a moment is there a practice is, sounds like you guys have both done a really good job of developing that that space mm. uh, do you know how you created it so uh, in regards to creating it I know what um, allows me to enter that space and now there's many things that allow me to enter that space Uh, I've kind of realized that once I give my mind the simple task to do, uh, and when I say my mind, I mean my ego, my character, that voice, once I give that something to do, then it allows me the space to to kind of relax. And so um, meditation, breath, slacklining, rock climbing, again, just giving, giving my mind something to focus on so that I am able to have the space um, to pretty much be in a, in an environment of no thought. Um, and if thoughts do come in, no attachment to the thoughts. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. I think he's been able to kind of teach me a lot about that. And so we have some really cool conversations. Mm. Um, it's funny cause I thought we were really close, you know, like we've been together for like 10 years. And he kind of went on his spiritual journey in like 2015, I would say. Like that was when it kind of started. He started asking some like deep questions and he had some people he could like talk to and like share the space with. Um, And I just, I wasn't interested for a little bit. (laughs) And then um, it wasn't until I started seeing him change and like 
he was just different, you know, like things, he didn't have attachment to things. He wasn't holding a lot of judgment in situations where he normally would. And it just was easy for me to just kind of jump into the space at that point. Um, and so now I'd say we've been able to travel the world and create that space with a lot of people and, you know, people we still talk to almost every day, um, because of, I think the space that, you know, you started, um, that's been a really, really cool journey for us that it just keeps expanding and it's, it's awesome, especially to see how it impacts other people. Um, that's been a like really, really cool part of this journey. Yeah. And I'd like to say like, it's really interesting once you're able to fully step in to your space and be truly authentic to your space how that naturally gives others permission to enter their space. And for a lot of people, they've never actually been in a space like that before where they, they feel like, or they don't feel like anything is required of them. They don't need to say anything. They don't need to do anything. And then all of a sudden, like you kind of see that they're completely content and they feel like they are enough within that space that you've created. And the funny thing is it's, it's not like you actually created it for them. You just kind of did it for yourself and it, it just liberates them as well. And that's been a, a really cool thing to experience. Uh, Getting to know people's true self. Yeah. Giving them like being yourself gives everyone else the freedom to be themselves. Mm. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Probably... Maybe, like, a little bit surprising, right? There's, um... There are a... There are a lot of... There's an ever-expanding amount of biohackers in the world, right? Um, then there's an ever-expanding amount of consciousness seekers, let's call them. Um, but there's the Venn diagram doesn't have a, a significant amount of overlap in those areas, right? And I think um, you guys are are you do some you do some interesting biohacking, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's some interesting things that you, you do. Mm-hmm. So, so I think one, what's, what's something that you're doing right now in any, in any form, uh, that you're doing for, for personal growth? So the things that I focus on most, uh, I consistently try to be on the forefront and experiment with my physical body. Um, in regards to vitamins, minerals, uh, different things, um, and uh, elimination, like taking things out of my diet, sugar, different things, meat, um, for long enough to kind of see how I feel without it and then bring it back to see what it actually feels like because once what I realized was that I thought I felt good but I had no idea how good I could feel 
And by doing that and experimenting with my physical body, I've been able to to truly find out what works for my body. Um, and then also fasting has been something that has been life-changing for me, um, both on a physical level and on a mental level. Um, and so that's something that we practice pretty much six days a week. Um, and then sometimes you know, once a month do like a longer fast, like 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, can you think of... You read all the time. <laughs> You're I, constantly uh... listening to like an audio book or yeah. watching something about nutrition or... Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because... I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just um, take the vitamins. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, lots of reading, um, lots of podcasts. And uh, I really desire and look to bring uh, a conscious space for me and Kat to be able to share and so, yes, there's all these avenues that, that I use in order to, that we use in order to gain new awareness and see what we like. But then being able to create the space between the two of us to authentically share is something that uh, allows me to, to grow much more than, than a lot of other things. I think just even something like this platform and talking to you guys, just being able to say things out loud um, has has been an amazing step forward for me. Who are some of the people that you follow in the nutrition space? In the nutrition space, um, Dave Asprey is someone that I follow. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick is someone that I follow. Um, and then I'm also open to all different types of people that are into all different types of scientists, even like Sadhguru, when he talks about, you know, his yogic sciences with food and stuff like that. And for me, it's more about experimenting on the individual to see what's good for you and being open to all things. Because by doing that, you can truly find out what's good for you. I've found in my experience anyway. One of the things that I think is uh, most important about about endogenous anything um, is that the end of one study is more important than the the end of ten million. Right? Yeah. It's like um, anything that you put in your body, it, it, you can read all the science you want. Um, if it doesn't work for you, even if the science says it's bulletproof and it's mm -hmm. going to work, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that that, that end of one studying or, or experimentation is uh, really, really important and underutilized and underappreciated. And the only skill it really takes is the ability to listen, right? Sure. So probably uh, uh, one of the bigger challenges in society is that uh, a lot of energy is spent not listening to our body. Right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're pretty well programmed to believe uh, that the major the culturally we're pretty well programmed to believe that we should be punishing our body uh, for the things that we have 
consumed, essentially. Mm -hmm. And that philosophy, I think, has been really, really detrimental to uh, to more than just like it's really detrimental to to the aesthetics of the human body for mm-hmm. sure. There's no doubt about it. Your punishing your body is, is not going to provide uh, you with a happy body. Um, but also, I think it also challenged the consciousness of, of society because if you are, are numbing yourself out, if you're punishing yourself and you are trying to forget the things that you've done, um, it becomes much harder to actually remember the things you've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to remember who you are. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think I think that that end of one experimentation is is really important, and um, I really appreciate that that thought. Is there any is there any endogenous substance that really stands out as something that has been dramatically impactful, or maybe the most impactful thing? Hmm. I'm not sure if. There is, hmm, very interesting. Yes, there has been. So um, something that I have noticed a massive change with that um, was stand out amongst a lot of other things was once we started switching to predominantly like a much higher fat diet. And once we did that, we started to obviously get into the realm of MCT oil and things like that. And what I found is is that in the morning, um, drinking coffee with MCT oil and pretty much not eating um, until like one o'clock, two o'clock, the mental clarity that the MCT oil, which converts into ketones, which obviously fuels your brain, um, has given me is, is pretty amazing. Um, and it's not something that... Uh, happened once or happened twice it's pretty much every morning um and so uh mct oil uh, has been something that i've really really enjoyed and we also started taking like a nutritional shake supplement like five or six years ago yeah and as soon as we started doing that i was like we never got sick again yeah yeah, it was, and that's just been a constant thing we've always done. Yeah, I, I just kind of look at it as um, kind of like an insurance in a way. Uh, we eat as many vegetables as we can, and we try to get all our vitamins and minerals. But I mean, as a lot of as a lot of us know, plants get their minerals and vitamins from the soil, and if the soil doesn't have it, then the plants don't have it, and so it's much much harder to to kind of get (laughs) those uh, nutritional vegetables these days. Um, And so we look at that as kind of like our backup. And yeah, it's, uh, I've noticed a dramatic change in the amount of times um, I get sick, which is very rare. And then if we do, both of us, this is something we've noticed. If we are to catch something, I mean, it doesn't stay around for longer than 24 to 48 hours. It doesn't hours. usually develop yeah. into an actual sickness. Like, we yeah. just get really tired and we know we need to rest Yeah. for a couple of days and then it's gone. That's a drastic change because I remember my whole life growing up once or twice a year. Yeah. You know. I used to get sick four times a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Have, have you guys played at all uh, with shifting the, the timing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Of the fasting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
Um, I'm I'm cur I'm curious. So this is a this is a this is a, a fun this is a fun piece for me. Um, a couple of couple of guests we've had on we've, we've done a lot of, of fasting talk, and um, almost everybody on the planet does it the way you guys do it, right? Mm-hmm. Intermittent fasting is almost always done um, AM. Mm-hmm. The the really really uh, fascinating thing for me for my physical body was when I flipped it um, to the evening. Yeah, it's harder. Yeah. And that, that I think is the reason most people um, don't don't do the evening because it's it's just it's a it's a much more challenging thing. And there are often times um, when when Darby and I are doing it where uh, you miss your four thirty, right? Four thirty is usually the cutoff we use, um, and sometimes you miss it, and you're like, "Shoot, <laughs> well, there's you know, we're gonna ride this one out." Um, but the quality in, in sleep is so dramatic that, um, it really, it really, really speaks like, okay, I, I, we, we didn't eat. We last time we ate was 12 o'clock and, but I want to sleep tonight. Yeah. Um, have, have you noticed a variance, um, what will happen when you try? What will happen in your other in your other time slots? Well, with traveling, we're a little bit more social in the evening. Yeah. So it's kind sure. of hard for us to. We really like eating early. Yeah. If I could fast, if I could have my window, you know, during the day, and then you know, fast in the evening, I would. Yeah. I would do it, but. That totally makes sense. The, yeah. the social component of, yeah. of any dietary restriction is really hard. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I know you guys have uh, been really, like, graceful and kind in just, like, a- allowing allowing meals to be what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really, like, a really important thing if you want to be a part of uh, a collective. Of yep. Group. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, like... We do it all the time. We're just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is what we're doing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine. That's Absolutely. What we're doing. Correct. And yeah. I think that I, I really appreciate that, number one. So I didn't tell you guys that, but we <laughs> do it on the podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. I, but I know that I know that's been going on. And I, I like, I just, I, I think that's a really neat way to go. It totally makes sense mm-hmm. um, to, to want to have that ability to be more social without it, without it being impactful. And if it makes the, the switch. And I think that's another thing and and um from that it sounds like you guys are really good at this which is like sure there might be like a dogmatic way to go about something that might be ideal but pulling back from that dogmatic approach and allowing life to also seep into your life Mm -hmm. is a a really valuable thing absolutely so so that's super cool yeah we used to actually be pretty hard on ourselves when we would you know eat differently than we wanted to and once we started to like, I guess, be a little bit more kind and like appreciate yeah. those experiences where we may eat pizza or something, you know, even though we know it's not something we would choose to eat if we were on our own, it's like we really, really appreciate the experience now. And I think it does a lot to your like 
chemistry and like how you ingest the food, like how your what your thoughts are sure. when you're taking it in makes sure. a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really glad that we've gotten to that point where we can give ourselves that. <laughs> yeah, we again just really look to do what we desire in the moment and the moment is always changing. Yeah. Um and also kind of uh with the fasting piece um we've really grown to look at it as more of a uh like a six eight or ten hour eating window and when that window is we really don't care anymore it's just that's the window um and you know what if that window for some reason on that day extends then it extends if that's our desire for that day but um morning night uh yeah, we kind of view it as more of a window. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, any other? Uh, okay, so let me let me ask a little bit of, about um, ketosis and, and and have you have you done any have you done any blood work around it? So the yes, I have. Yes, uh, so. When we were, when I was first pretty much experimenting yeah. with ketosis, uh, I was going to the doctor's office uh, like once a month yeah. and just pretty much um, getting blood work and yeah. making sure I asked for specific things. Yeah. Um, so yes. Did you do any? Um, did you do any uh, millimolar testing of ketone levels? So the extent of the results I got back were either low, medium, or high. Okay. Um, in regards to ketone levels. Okay. Did uh, where did you usually fall? Um, and so every time, so when I first started, it was uh, I would start. It said moderate, so pretty much in the middle. Yeah. Um, and then um, as I, it kind of depend how I would say how strict I was mm-hmm. um, with my keto, uh, with my ketosis. And so at first, um, I pretty much tried to mimic the original model. Um, which was quite extreme, um, as that was originally made for uh, kids with epilepsy. (laughs) And so uh, what kind of manifested over time was like uh, a modified ketogenic diet. And so once we got to that, um, it it stayed moderate the entire time. It was never high. It was never low. Every time I went, it was always – it was always moderate, but it was something that I found very interesting because when I asked the doctor, um, it was something that she brought up and she's like, oh, uh, do you fast? Without me even saying anything, she's like, do you fast? And I was like, yes. She's like, oh, okay, because ketone levels are normally low with most people. I was like, okay. Mm. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, must be working. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, there's a fun – so – so one of the one of the interesting challenges uh, in my life is I've been um, relatively early on on some things. So like six years ago, I I started um, talking about ketosis with people, and um, I did it because uh, it, it there was it had a dramatic impact in in my life. Uh, I went. I went a month just consuming cacao butter, and um, it was it was it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, there, there's a lot of I've done some weird things. So I've gone like sixty days just consuming rice and spinach, 
Wow. Uh, I like I I like to I like to experiment mm-hmm. in ways that are uh, probably probably extreme, but you get some you get some really interesting feedback that way because you challenge yourself in like it's not it's not a great time on day twenty eight yeah. to <laughs> rock a cow butter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of taste and there's there's I not. Can imagine. <laughs> but but the the freedom. Um, the freedom from food, I think, that is available uh, with a ketogenic approach is, is really interesting. Mm. Uh, but I think more interesting, because there became a point in, in that experience where I was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't need to eat. Like, I have no, there's no attachment at all to mm-hmm. food. I don't. It's fine. It's a really great feeling, isn't it? To, like, kind mm. of flip everything on its head it's that you thought. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. But I think more interesting um, is what a modified ketogenic diet where uh, you have the ability stacking uh, with fasting because you know m- the majority of the majority of problems with ketogenic diets are once you come out there's a three day recovery cycle right it's, mm. it's to get back into the state there's a significant amount of time but when you stack with fasting. Uh, and your body just adapts really quickly that you can go in and out of, of ketosis um, really, really at will. Mm-hmm. And I think that that piece um, has more freedom than not being attached to food. I think that the ability to be flexible in, in, your, in your calorie consumption is, is more impactful uh, because – more people can do it. There, there yeah. aren't a lot of people that are just going to eat raw cacao butter. Yeah. You got to be a weird person. <laughs> and uh, I find that, I mean, I find it very interesting as well, you know, just kind of going, because um, experimentation is one thing, but maintaining, I guess, what I would, uh, what I would, I guess, call like a, maintaining like this extreme one-sided uh viewpoint or this extreme one-sided experience of i'm just going to eat fat or i'm just going to eat protein or i'm just going to eat carbohydrates knowing that the body has ketone pathways it has carbohydrate pathways it has all of these pathways that are needed um and the fact that you know if we're looking to this is something that i've realized through my experience and, and stuff that i've looked into it's just if we're looking to keep our body um with the ability to adapt and be able to handle things mm-hmm. when we want it. When I want carbohydrates, I want my body to be able to handle it. For and sure. you need to be able to expose your body to carbohydrates now and again. Um, and so being open with that and free with that, I've realized my, my body runs a lot better. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. And and really a beautiful place to get to. Hmm. How So Kat, the, there's... Pretty solid, uh, pretty solid group of of the body of work out there says that that a ketogenic diet is much harder on the female body. How have you done with it? I mean, it was like a game changer for me. I mean, I played sports, I played soccer for seventeen years, and then stopped and like. I mean, I'm the kind of person if I don't work out regularly, like it's just I I feel it, like my body feels it. Yeah. But I mean, 
going keto was huge for me, but I think the biggest change I saw in my body was adding more fat, but I was really scared to do it at first. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, once I started eating more fat, it was like my body just started eating fat on my body. Like it was just instant. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely, we notice things more with our diet. Obviously I think through me, like I, I I react much quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, Ben, he'll eat carbs and his muscles will be like bigger and you know, it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Anyway. But, um, so yeah, I, I think, um, the eating window also, has been big for me because I used to, when we were living in America, I could do like a six hour eating window and I was fine. You know, I'd eat twice and I'd be done. Um, but traveling the way we do, I I actually need to like expand that window. Mm. So I've been experimenting with like eight hours and 10 hours of eating, um, just so I can get enough food in because I wasn't eating enough. Um, and so, yeah, I think, expanding my eating window because of the lifestyle we're living was really important. And then adding more fat has been huge. Um, but on the days that we do kind of like eat carbs and we are social, I I can't, like, I have to make sure I don't eat as much fat Mm. because the combination of the two is just not good. So Mm. we've, we've noticed that that's a big, big difference for me. But I mean, exercise is huge. Mm. If I don't exercise, it's, I just don't feel good, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I I think those I think those are I think those are really I appreciate you guys sharing that because I, I do I think there's a really consistent habit with a lot of people who uh, you know whatever the the idealistic uh, meal programming of the month is they're they're into that for that month it works for the first seven to ten days then they have some variance in uh, what they do and it stops working and then they move on to whatever the next thing is Um, and i've seen that really consistently uh, as i've been in the whatever world i'm in (laughs) (laughs) so i think that that um I think it's really it's really fun to hear you guys talk about um, the flexibility, the, the the social flexibility, the ability to be meta- metabolically flexible, um, and then also have like a consistency within that flexibility. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty rad, and I appreciate you guys sharing that. Yeah, I mean, we've both of us has just kind of found that you know this isn't. This isn't a short-term thing. This isn't a diet. This is this is a lifestyle. This is a life. And you know, the more we can treat it that way, um, then yeah, the freer and easier it feels because we're not looking to you know make a dramatic change right this instant. Yeah. Um, we're looking to uh, consistently make incremental changes over time, and by doing that kind of build and continue to build it's never a it's 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 a never-ending thing it's kind of like life it's kind of like you know the spiritual journey or whatever it is it's it's always an evolving thing you know and and what feels good now may not feel good tomorrow or whatever it is and so um yeah just looking to listen to our body and yeah whenever we give people advice about you know when we stay with people or we talk to people about how we eat they always kind of get really excited about things that we do but i think we've always kind of recommended like take it one piece at a time. Mm. Like we gave up dairy, 
seven years ago mm-hmm. and then we gave up meat like maybe five years ago. We started keto like four years ago. Yeah. Everything's kind of been really incremental and just we've added on to it and it's evolved. Yeah. And then dairy came back in, but different type of dairy, making sure, you know, it's grass fed and all these different things. And then fish came back in. And so things have come in and out based off the way we feel, based off new research, based off new experimentations. Um, and so, yeah, just consistently always being open to the forever changing world of science and for, for the forever changing body that we have, really. I think yeah. a lot of the principles we t- we learned about that whole like letting your body adapt as well was through carb cycling. Yeah, carb cycling was something that we kind of experimented with like, first, a long time yeah, ago. A while yeah, ago, a long time ago. And so like that idea that you know you can follow that approach as well when we do have moments where we eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made them eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> They asked very nicely, <laughs> and we responded I mean, also like very pizza. nicely. And so, I yes, pizza. there was no making. We uh, we definitely agreed to the experience. It was nice. Okay, so Ben, you said you said earlier in this in this little conversation um, that we can never know the future. Mm. So now I want to I want to throw a curveball. Cool. Um, all right, so. So space time, right, is is not linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a, a structural curve um, to space time. I've been I've been <laughs> I've been kicking around this uh, I've been kicking around this idea that um, even if time travel is possible, you could never get back into this path of space-time so any any shift in in future or past would create a new a new uh universe essentially is so so the other the other the other approach to that right if we're not looking at a multiverse theory if we're just looking at there's a singular universe and and space time has a has a curvature to it then the further you go away from this physical space the more opportunity you would have to look at including the future right so we go 100 million light years away and we create a, a ability to visually see what's going on here in this planet we create whatever we'll use a telescope it's not going to be a telescope hmm. because it's going to be much more powerful than a telescope but yeah. because that's the terminology we have we could create a telescope that could look both forward and past how does that impact this idea that we can never see the future so the way that it comes through for me is through the understanding that in my life experience, the only true reality is this present moment. And so looking into the future or trying to predict the future is just something that isn't a reality and it's only something that I can assume based off the past, which also isn't a reality. It's only a memory. And so... 
anything more than that doesn't really play into my decision making, my pretty much my life experience. It's just more of I believe I can manifest, I believe I can create, but the only way I can manifest and create is from the present moment. And so um, looking to predict the future or looking to plan for the future, um, all of that for me is done right now. And so I don't um, see the future as a real thing or I don't see it as a reality. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I continue to focus on the now. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so, looking at the past, mm-hmm. who did you see yourself becoming, both of you, <laughs> when you were 16? <laughs> uh, when I was 16, I was in England, in the Manchester United Soccer Academy. And my only vision was me being a professional soccer player. Mm. That was my only, my only vision. Yeah. Yeah. Are you happy that didn't happen? So I experienced, yeah, so it happened. Yeah. So, um, I experienced it and, um, in no way, is there an ounce of regret in my life about anything? Yeah. Um, everything happened perfectly. And so, yes, I experienced being a professional soccer player, uh, not in the capacity that I envisioned when I was growing up, right. 15, 16, um, you know, playing for, <laughs> you know, like uh, Manchester United or Juventus or something like that. But yeah, I mean, played in the first division in Scotland and uh, played in the first division in Australia, and um, it was enjoyable. But for me, it wasn't. <laughs> there was a time where I had a lot of regret based off the decisions I made in the past mm. because I saw myself as Ben, the soccer player, and without that, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. Um, and every time uh, I look at that now or I try to look back at that, that's just another experience that got me to where I am today. And where I am today is the most perfect place I could possibly be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Hmm. Well, when I was 16, I was not at Manchester United, but I was playing <laughs> soccer as well, very, um, I was very serious about soccer. I was constantly traveling. Um, you know, every weekend we were going somewhere new for soccer. I, you know, I didn't have much of like a normal social life. Yeah. And so at that point I actually was feeling like I just want to have a normal life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm, I felt like soccer was a job. Um, and it was, it, paid for my education, which was really nice and put me on a really good path. But, um, I think at the time I was probably just thinking like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna finish and I'm gonna do something with my life. But I had no idea what it was, <laughs> but I was always really confident about like 
being able to figure things out. Yeah. And that kind of just like played through in, in my career as well. It was like, I worked a job, my first job doing things I'd never done before. And I just always figured it out. And so that actually kind of plays into when Ben asked me, you know, like about traveling, I was really confident about the fact that, okay, I mean, people would come up to us and they'd say all the time, like, well, what are you going to do about health insurance? What are you going to do when you get back? What about work? How are you going to make money? And like all these doubts and fears. And I just felt so confident that like I'd figure it out. You know, like I've always been able to figure it out. So yeah, yeah. I didn't have an idea, but cool. I'm glad with how things are turning out yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so so that i, I okay <laughs> so right like there are all these things that happen along the along the experience along the path and all those things have to happen in order to be right here right now right mm-hmm. if something else happened then this wouldn't be happening mm-hmm. is this moment is, is is your path is it is it destined or, or is it just a bunch of happenstance that happened to bring you right here? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't feel into destiny, uh, personally. I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely just, I, I feel that this moment is perfect without a doubt. Um, but I don't feel, uh, I was destined to be here um i just feel that given the decisions i made in that moment it led me here and um yeah something i've learned is destined um the more that you follow your desire the more you're aware of your desire first because a lot of the times you don't even know you know until you have a lot of time on your hands like what Mm. you might be interested in But the more that you follow your desire, the more you find yourself in situations where it's a perfect moment. And I would say, I mean, we talk to people, you know, in our family about what we're doing and we're always like, yeah, we're at this awesome place. It's like a yoga retreat and, you know, these awesome people are here and we're just having a great time. They're like, yeah, I mean, that's what always happens to you guys. Like, (laughs) it's just... It's not even like I, I guess I used to like say coincidence in the past, but I don't really know how I felt about it. But what I feel now is I just like laugh, like coincidence isn't a thing, you know, but I mean, we just kind of have been following our desire and that leads us to like the best yeah. situation that we could possibly be in. Cause we're just doing what we want to do. Yeah. And, and sometimes that situation is challenging and sometimes it's not, but either way, it's definitely the perfect situation. It's definitely the perfect experience. So this, so this is another, another thing or lots of these questions. I, I just like to find out because it's a, it's a great insight for me. Um, one of the things that's really become important for me and I think it's easy to, but you, you hear someone, I'll, I'll just use me as an example, right? Like I, I've heard people tell me like, oh, you're really selfish. Uh, you, you really are only interested in doing the things that you want to do. And, um, 
that's true. I am really interested <laughs> in doing the things that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not really interested in doing the things that I don't want to do. And that's yeah. kind of been the shaping force in my life. And it sounds like that's a shaping force in your life, yeah. um, at least in some way. Do you feel, do you think I'm selfish? How about that? Like, not, not do you think I'm selfish as a person? Do you think that the fact that I, I'm really, I'm literally only interested in doing the things that I want to do, does that feel like a selfish statement? No, I, I, I make the exact same statement uh, about myself and uh, me and Kat have spoken. And even in a relationship like this where I'm married to Kat, it's like at no point will I compromise. I will never compromise on my desire. Like for me, the word compromise means I have a desire, she has a desire, and neither of us are going to fulfill it because we're going to meet in the middle. Right. And my understanding is I'm going to be me and do what I do. And if that challenges you, that is so great. I'm so happy it challenges you because, again, on the other side of that challenge is something really great waiting for you. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I don't think it's selfish at all. I think it's beautiful that you're able to be authentic with yourself and do that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah it's like, thank you. it's so much easier when you do what you want to do and you say what you mean. Like even just being here, like we've all been able to give each other like the space, you know, like yeah. you want to go do your thing in the morning. We do our thing in the morning. Like. And when we come together, it's because we want to be together. We want to do yeah. something together. We want to enjoy a meal. We want to work with seeds. <laughs> um, you know, like that's yeah. – and then it's – you're you're really dealing with the real person. Yeah. Whereas if you're not selfish and you're not doing what you really want to do, you're just not mm. being real. Yeah. That's, that's a really beautiful insight. You're not yeah. dealing with the real person. Uh-uh. Yeah. And it goes to the – I think one of the, the big – Another big societal struggle is that everybody's constantly trying to find the right mask that they can wear. Hmm. Um, so that that that's really fun. That's uh-huh. a really beautiful idea. Yeah. Yeah, we've been and we we feel very very grateful and appreciative for the people we continue to attract into our lives, people like you two. Um, that that truly understand that they are worthy uh, and continue to act in that way. Mm. Um, And I really enjoy uh, when there are moments that uh, people feel or unconsciously say certain things um, that could possibly uh, come across as they feel like not worthy in that situation, like they want to make sure that everything's okay or they want to make sure that what they're doing is good and so on and so forth. And I always enjoy just reassuring them that anything you want to do is perfect. <laughs> and so please do, yeah. what, do what you want to do. And if you're mm. considering me, please don't consider me because I'm not you. <laughs> yeah. But it's really cool that like we both really like doing a lot of the same things. Yeah. I say that sometimes like – it, I mean, we just we enjoy a lot of the same stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, I view I view a relationship, especially one this intimate, um, as not two people walking the same path, but as two people walking their own path, but just parallel mm. to each other. Uh-huh. Um, and I think if it if, if it is that way, it it's just so much simpler. There's no expectation. There's no judgment. And everyone is 
appreciated for truly being themselves. And it's beautiful. I love it yeah, so much. That's really beautiful. Is do you, do either of you have uh, a person or an idea or a concept that were really like impactful? The 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 influence or influencer in your life that really created shift, made you who you are or a portion of who you are. Ben. Thank you, darling. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty rad answer. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would I would say many people um, at different parts of my life for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I would say many people. Obviously. Uh, my, I feel like my upbringing definitely, definitely developed my ego. And I would say that, uh, later on in my life, um, Kat was an unbelievable, she created such an unbelievable space for me. I used to, I used to really struggle, uh, with judgment, um, I used to really struggle with this idea of right and wrong because that was an environment I was raised in, this idea of right and wrong, doing the right and wrong thing. Mm. And just being around Kat, she was naturally a person that understood <laughs> that there is no right and wrong and these things don't matter. Um, these little things that used to cause me frustration didn't matter. And it was so funny because Kat would say to me that I created a space for her to become more conscious when really I learned so much from her just being herself. I challenged you enough yeah, you by did. not doing the dishes. Yeah. Putting <laughs> yeah. my towel away. Yeah. Not caring how you felt about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, at one point it made no sense to me it would frustrate me and then eventually it clicked and I was like wow wow yeah yeah but you have had some pretty strong like spiritual influences in your life as well I uh once I started to um truly desire to discover more about like myself and and life uh there was a person in my life still in my life his name's Anthony Thompson um, very very special person to me that created the first I would say like truly conscious non-judgmental space for me to be able to express myself um, and the what I like to call accelerated learning that happened within that environment was exponential mm. and so I'll forever be grateful to him for that <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, last couple questions I have for you guys. Um, what's the closest thing to real magic you've ever experienced? <laughs> so, um, to me, it's more of a like 
I actually said it to you guys in the car yesterday or the day before when I said, do you guys ever feel like, like you used to have like have this feeling of coincidences, but now they happen so often that they can no longer be called coincidences. And so for me, it's not one specific moment. For me, it's actually a daily to weekly event where um, I will have a desire for the smallest things. For example, <laughs> this is true. For example, uh, me like I've been mentioning to cat like, oh, I would really enjoy like bringing some ghee into my life no and, joke. <laughs> and, and experimenting with this and seeing how like it feels and if I like the taste and so on and so forth. And then yesterday you guys said, Hey guys, we bought you some ghee. Here you go. Um, those things continue to happen all the time on many perceived different levels of like, Oh, this, you know, this is a very major thing or a very non-major thing. But again, can you give an example of all... a major thing? Do you have large some... structures? Oh, okay, yeah. So <laughs> perfect. And so we're in Europe and we're driving uh, through northern Italy, and we, as we've been driving through like Europe, we've seen like these castles, right, just mm. kind of scattered and stuff. And so me and Kat are talking, and I'm like you know, I think it would be great if like we should like buy a castle mm. and like create a community and bring some people in and we could like live in a castle. Like it would be awesome. Like I would love to experience that. Yeah. And as like that journey, like we were actually on our way to a couch surfer's house and the couch surfer in his profile had said he lived in an apartment. And so an hour and a half later, we arrive at this couch surfer's house, but he's actually lives in a castle, mm. <laughs> an actual castle. <laughs> and he's the baron of the castle. And so we ended up living uh, in that castle for 17 days with him. And yeah. And now he's like one of our best friends. And now he's one of our best friends. And so, yeah, things like that happen all the time. And yeah. I, we manifest uh, castles, yeah, guys. Yeah, we manifest castles, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah. That's good work. What about you, darling? Um, real magic. Besides that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I have experienced anything close to real magic. Um, the only thing that, like, I can think of that blows my mind is just the fact that, like, humans not so long ago were chimps. <laughs> And, like, realizing that and thinking, like, deep into that and just being extremely grateful for, like, the uh, ability to live on this planet and do what we do, it's, like, insane to me. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> that is truly magic. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, so so on that, then, so <laughs> just, just so that my... Uh, anthropology professors are still allow me to okay. communicate. All right. Maybe so we weren't we weren't exactly chimps, okay. right? We're like same tree. Yeah. But we've both branched off of a, a trunk. We we've shared the same trunk. But we also share the same same trunk with this cactus right next to yeah. us. Yeah. That is like not that long ago, 
we were in the same trunk as a cactus. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That's like really, really fascinating to think about. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And the diversity on this planet. I mean, the diversity on this planet is, it is magic. It is. We live in Eden. Yeah. Yeah. We might not treat it like Eden, yeah. but we live in Eden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something we've talked about a lot over the past year is like people, especially when we talk about religion and things like that, it's like, I don't know, I, this might just be like the thing that everyone thinks happens next, you know? Yeah, for sure. Where why, we are now is yeah. is the place. <laughs> yeah. Now is the time. This isn't heaven. I don't know what it is. Man. Yeah. This is amazing. And even, like, let's say, like, okay, you think there's a better place. Cool. Yeah. But this place is rad, so let's treat it like it's rad. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. This place is amazing, man. Yeah. 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 That's rad. That that is really, both of those answers are really fun and make you, like, (laughs) smile from the inside. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, uh, last two. If you could know the truth, to any one question, if you could know the absolute truth to any question you asked, what question would you ask? So at this moment in my life, after having for the past four days been reading that book. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What book is it? Uh, The book is called Death and Inside Story by Sadhguru. Um, yeah, just right at this moment when you ask me that question, what comes through for me is I would, I'd really enjoy to know what happens when we die. But hmm. any other moment, it could be different. But right now, yeah, oh. I'd like to know that. Very cool. Yeah. I've never heard you say that. Yeah, because it's never been at the forefront of my mind. <laughs> but at this moment, yeah, my, my last four days have been consumed with the ideas of death. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an intriguing thought. The only thing that really comes to mind for me, but I think it's a good one, is when I started being more open to like my spiritual journey and having conversations with Ben about programming and like why I, you know, why in a certain situation I would feel unhappy. The question he taught me was to ask myself, like, what do I believe to be true? What story am I telling myself right now? And I think, it's a really, really good strategy and like introductory approach to figuring out what your programming is and why you're making yourself unhappy. And I mean, not only is it a good introductory approach, I still use it today. Um, and so sometimes it's hard to answer that question and you don't really figure it out for a few, you know, experiences where you do get frustrated or triggered by something. Um, and so I think because I can ask myself that as many times as I want to, yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to know, you know, more immediately like, yeah. what that is. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. And this will be a variant, an original va- a variant since Darby's sitting here with me tonight. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any questions for us? Hmm. And the answer can be no. Yes, it can be. <laughs> but um, no, I've had, yeah, I have, I've had some questions. Yes. <laughs> We're whispering. <laughs> in whispering. Well, I, don't, I don't know what's going on right now. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, I do have a question for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll ask it and it's uh, individually answer. Um, who is the most important person in your life? I am the most important person in my life. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the answer that was in my head as well. Um, yeah. And uh, as the follow-up question, like why, why is that so evident to you? Why is that the answer that comes through for you? Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it goes back to something that, that we've talked about a lot in this conversation, which is like, number one, you, you will only be with one person for your entire existence. <laughs> and it happens to be you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, it's like, uh, you, if, you're, if you're not, I don't think you're willing, I don't think you're willing to bet on yourself, right? If, if you are not important to you, you're not going to be willing to do the things that, you want to do the things that will make and fulfill this very short experience that we get to have yeah and i yeah i mean that really i'm glad that was your answer because i think Mm -hmm. that should be everyone's answer yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. we've had some pretty powerful experiences with people who've never thought about it before Mm. and like it changed their life yeah Mm. yeah because obviously the the knee-jerk answer is my mom or my dad or my wife or my husband. And then when the follow-up question is, well, where do you stand on this mm-hmm. list? It's, uh, it's, always a, it's always an interesting thought for a lot of people to feel into. Mm. Mm. I, I've always said, like, if you are, like, coming to anybody, but coming into a relationship, um, given, like, the, the glass half-full analogy like if I'm coming into a relationship um, with anybody half full Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be wanting more Mm -hmm. because I want to feel full Mm -hmm. and then I'm also going to be taking from somebody who may may or may not want to give like and so nobody can nobody can fill my glass except me Hmm. um and so yeah like you have to you have to put yourself first and yeah (laughs) yeah that's really beautiful it is really beautiful Um, and it's kind of I think we've all had this experience. It's like once you're able to put yourself first, the natural the natural thing, the natural state of being after that is service to all. Like that's all you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing because you start to you, – you really embody and realize that that is who you are at your essence when – when you are when you are feeling blissful, all you want to do is share that with everyone. Mm-hmm. So really why beautiful. do you think it's hard for people to answer that question? Why why do people look to other people as the most important? So I can only speak from my experience, but from my experience, uh, I feel like myself and a lot of other people grew up in an environment being told that you need to uh, take care of others and you need to um, put others first and be a uh, martyr yeah and when 
you know, growing up that wasn't understood in the way I understand it now because the way I understand it now is like if I truly want to serve the greatest good of all, then the only way I can do that is if I'm okay and if I'm taken care of. It's the only way I can do it. And so the most unselfish thing I could do is put my desires first. I think I think it's also sometimes if if like an ego is is your driving force, I think it can be easier to to go to other people. Like yeah. so you're looking for that quick fix yep. of of like somebody compliment me or some you know somebody do something yeah. for me and there's these moment and like in that moment you're like oh I feel great yeah. like and I am looking great today like yeah you know, but that's not it's not not that it's not true but it's not um it's not gonna fulfill your glass yeah <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. really fulfill you yeah if yeah. if you perceive that other people have the power to fill your glass then those people have the power to empty, empty your, your glass, glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. absolutely that's super interesting I I think one of the things um, that came out of my experience at the yoga studio was the challenge um, that moms have right because they're moms more than I think any other being on this planet will answer that question in a in a very easy and quick way and it's mm-hmm. it's their children mm-hmm. um, and I think the thing that I try to communicate more than anything else is um, I mean it's the air it's the airplane mask thing right it's like put your mask mm-hmm. on before and that's like very cliche and, and easy and obvious and I think you guys did a really beautiful job of uh, kind of calling out the the reality is if you want to take care of your family, of your children, of your partner, if you're not there uh-huh. and ready uh-huh. and present, you are not, you're not doing them a service. No. You, you are inherently taking away uh, you from them. And I, I think that I think that that is like, this is a really beautiful way to kind of wrap things up. It's just like the ability to be you and the ability to shine uh, within this life experience as you is the most powerful and most impactful thing that you have available. That is your ultimate tool. And that tool can make greatness happen around you. And I think that you guys are doing amazing things with that. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. so much for thank coming you. on Becoming Legendary and for sharing this beautiful evening. Mm. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you.